0: On this episode of Sports and More, I'll talk about the tragic Las Vegas shooting, what we actually know and don't know, and yes, I'll use my extensive experience with weapons, a.k.a. none, to briefly discuss gun control. And of course, I'll be talking about this.
1: It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, It's funny.
0: Nice one, Cam. In response, I'll debut a brand new segment called Talking Routes, featuring our first ever guest on the podcast. You may want to listen, Cam. You'll think it's really funny. I'm John Thomas, and this is Sports & More. Welcome to another episode of Sports and More. John Thomas, thank you so much for tuning in to listen. I realize the upload schedule has been a bit wonky recently and that it's only been once a week and now I'm releasing an episode on a Friday and not a Thursday. I know it's been a bit unusual, but with all that seems to be happening, it's been a very active time in the sports and more world, which uh, I'm discovering is a very, very large world to try to cover, particularly with all that's going on in politics and the things going on now in Las Vegas, and we'll start there. Uh, Again, I'm trying to gather all these different things and bring them together, and again, just like last week, I'm glad I've waited to see what all has happened this week, Uh, and as you... Heard in the intro, we'll be talking more about Cam Newton's comments. That's one thing that uh, I'm glad I was able to wait on, and I will be having our first guest, so stay tuned for that. You will not want to miss that. But before we get to that, I think we have to spend time on the tragic shooting in Las Vegas, and it's important to realize exactly what happened. And I think most people are coming to grips with this. Nearly 60 people are dead. More than 500 are wounded from this It's important to realize this is one of the greatest tragedies in U.S. history. And I also feel it is important at this time to let you know that what I'll be talking about may not directly relate to the shooter, may not directly relate to evil. It may be about some of the things in the aftermath because I don't think there's a lot more to say about the shooting other than absolutely issuing my deepest sympathies and condolences to those involved and trying to convey that the utmost respect for those who were first responders and those who were on the scene and those who had to deal with this, because I can't begin to fathom what that would ever be like, and I hope I never have to uh, personally, but again, i Thank those who responded in the way they did. I support those who responded in the way they did. I support those doing investigations. And that's the reason I'm going to talk about what I talk about later in the podcast. I just wanted to make that point clear. I'm not trying to be insensitive in any way to what's happened. And when we're not dress- addressing terribly controversial subjects, don't worry. But it will be things not directly related to the shooting in the sense of talking about how evil what Steven Paddock did is, and it's pure evil. You can't slice it and dice it any other way, and that's part of the reason this has me so fired up about what we'll talk about later in the podcast. Just a good disclaimer for you. Um, Sunday overnight, I woke up, uh, maybe 6.30 in the morning, I had to get up to go to work on Monday, and I woke up to notifications on my phone from my news app And generally, it's not unusual for me to wake up to a notification or two, perhaps. But I saw about 12 notifications just scrolling through my phone before I'd even opened my phone, didn't even read what they were, and I just, maybe even out loud, said, oh no, without having to see what happened. Because I'm now, unfortunately, I'm used to seeing this. It's the same thing with the Orlando shooting last year. I woke up to all of these notifications of something that had happened overnight, in my lifetime, in very recent memory, I've now seen Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Charleston, Orlando, Las Vegas, countless others. And I know you've seen them too. But you know, I'm at, I'm 22 years old. I'm at the point that I only remember things like this since I was maybe seven or eight. So I've seen all of this has happened in the last 10 years. Virginia Tech was 2007. It's it's just heartbreaking. It, it really is. I know evil exists in the world. Uh, I know this, but I can't fathom the logic behind this particular attack. I, I suppose there is none. We had an explanation, at least, for Charleston. The guy was a racist. We had an explanation for Orlando in some form or fashion. I mean, it's hard to ever explain why someone would do this, but in Orlando, the shooter hated gay people. But we don't always get an explanation for these things, at least one that we can somewhat come to understand, and that's hard to fathom. So instead, people have tried to come up with explanations. All of us do. We all try to come up with explanations, wondering what would possess someone to go fire this gun into a huge crowd and injure and kill these people. And typically these explanations, even if they are sometimes logical, come in the form of conspiracy theories, or somehow proving that it couldn't possibly have been just this one man. We have to prove that it was somehow something larger, because there's no way this one person could do something this evil. We don't like to think about that as humans. Look, I don't know. There may have been someone else involved. We don't have any proof of that yet. But online, of course, I'm seeing lots of Five Things the Media Isn't Telling You About the Vegas Shooting. And that's where we're really going to talk today. We're going to be basically talking about legitimate fake news. And that's obviously an odd term, but so many times the term fake news has been thrown around by our president, by people who are mocking our president, by whoever, to refer to news or subjects they may disagree with or may not like or they may think are untrue. But we're going to talk about actual fake news. You know why the media isn't reporting these things that you're hearing on the internet and these articles about the things the media isn't telling you? Because the media is going by police reports and investigations. You are you are making assumptions based on what you know. Just like with hurricanes and do-it-yourself meteorologists. I talked about this, I think, on the first episode of this podcast. Social media and this underbelly of the internet is now full of private investigators ready to do the job of the local police, the FBI, and anyone else involved in investigating this. I understand conspiracy theories are fun and no, I certainly don't totally trust police or investigators or government for that matter. But I also sure as heck don't trust Johnny Reporter from a random website I've never heard of trying to explain what the media isn't telling me. And I certainly don't fully trust the media either, but they're generally going to go on police reports and evidence from those actually trained to investigate these sort of things. I know you may not believe it, but I did go to school for journalism. Journalists typically go to school for journalism, and there is some form of training for journalism. Now, just like any other profession, there are plenty of bad journalists. There are plenty of bad police officers. There are plenty of bad grocery store clerks. There are good and bad people at any profession. So yes, take things the media says with a grain of salt. But again, the media is typically going on what the most highly trained people are going to be saying. So FBI investigators, private investigators, whoever is investigating the situation, that's where the media at least should be getting their information, and most credible, decent media sources are doing that. But on the internet, on these random media sites, I'm seeing it all. Seriously. Things like how it couldn't have possibly been just this one guy because he couldn't have shot this certain gun because of the recoil. Or why did he need all those guns? One person doesn't need all those guns. So obviously it was planned by a group of people and this guy just didn't get away in time and got killed by his partner or something? These are the explanations I'm seeing. Then you have actual completely fake news A story began circulating that a gentleman staying next to Steven Paddock, the shooter, had seen multiple shooters dressed as security guards in the hotel and many other claims. They had quotes from him claiming all these things. But I watched an interview with Brian Hodge from Australia on an Australian news telecast. He's the guy who was rumored to be and was the one staying next to Paddock. He talked for seven minutes on this Australian So not American if you, for those conspiracy theorists out there, Australian news telecast. He talked for seven minutes. Never mentions anything about these claims. I then visited his personal Facebook page. People commented on one of his posts asking if the story was true. He said he never talked to these people and has no idea who they are and that everything is false. Now I'm not going to toot my own horn here. I don't want to do that. But that is what journalism is about, is investigating people's claims and seeing if they hold water. That's something that anyone could do. What I did, I simply Googled the guy's name and put Australia behind it and was able to find his Facebook page and was able to find this interview on Google, something not hard to do, to find out that this website that had gotten hundreds of thousands of hits on this story was completely false. Not just trying to make up a theory. Completely just fake. You don't suppose a small site no one has ever heard of could be, I don't know, doing a conspiracy theory or making up a story to get attention or money, do you? Hmm. A lot of people want to call talking about gun control disrespectful after a tragedy like this, and hey, in some cases it is. Because people and politicians are using this to maybe advance their agenda. Looking at you, Hillary Clinton. But to me... The more disrespectful thing is to share a bunch of misinformation either on purpose or that's based on your speculation because you think you're smarter than everyone else and have got this thing all figured out and aha, suck it, government, in your face, FBI. And some of it sounds convincing at first until you stop and think that Maybe I shouldn't be listening to Johnny America on Facebook who's basing his entire argument on speculation and on really crappy YouTube videos instead of on information from people who know what they're talking about and know what they're doing in this situation. And don't you think the FBI and the police people who are trained in the use of these weapons would know about these weapons and would know what this guy could do to modify these weapons and would know if this guy would be able to fire these weapons? Maybe it seems a little bit unlikely that this guy perpetrated it all by himself, but that's all we have evidence for at this point, and that's what the media, and that's what the police, and that's what the FBI are going on. Could they be wrong? Sure. But your crappy YouTube videos and your one piece of logic that you think you have over everyone else doesn't make you right either. But it gets shared on Facebook nonetheless, and yes, I've looked into these things, and I'm not discounting the possibility of someone helping this guy out or having an accomplice. Seems like a lot for him to do on his own. But please, be careful where you're getting your news. I know you may not trust CNN or NBC or Fox News or whoever, but they're at least probably going to be sharing what the police and the FBI and the experts are saying. You may not totally trust them either, but they make way more sense and have way more training than some conspiracy theorist in the underbelly of the Internet. Now, on to the much less controversial aspect of this situation, gun control. And believe it or not, I'm less fired up about this one. Seriously, I promise, I am. And that's primarily because I don't know a gosh darn thing about guns. I've never owned one. I may someday. I don't know. Plus, gun control is extremely complicated. Different laws in different states, and it's a lot harder to get a gun than most people think. You can't just waltz into a store, say, I'll take that gun, and go on your way. And for more commentary on gun control, I refer you to Season 9, Episode 2 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You can find it on Netflix. Called Gun Fever 2, Still Hot. Great commentary on gun control. But let's make, on this podcast, some very reasonable concessions. No citizen should be able to own an automatic weapon or something that fires like an automatic weapon. Steven Paddock appears to have used something called bump stocks, and I had to research what in the world that is, on his rifles and other weapons. This device, a bump stock allows, can be legally purchased and allows semi-automatic weapons to fire like an automatic weapon. So, let's ban these. And according to some posts from media outlets, the New York Times I know is one of them, Republicans are open to this idea. Good. Let's get on that. There's also an issue with the FBI's background checks. We saw this with the Charleston shooting a couple of years ago. The shooter went to buy a gun and was not immediately approved by the FBI. And according to law, if the FBI does not deny approval for purchasing a weapon after three days, the buyer can then return to that store on the fourth day and purchase the weapon. That's a loophole that needs to be remedied. That's happened in Charleston. Dylan Roof would have been denied for that gun, he then apparently proceeded to use that gun in the Charleston shooting. Extend that time for the loophole to a week or something. It's worth it to keep unauthorized people from buying guns, even if it means the authorized people just have to wait a little a bit longer. Uh, and I'm, So I'm not going down this rabbit hole any deeper. Like I said, I don't know enough about guns or gun laws or gun control, so I'll stop there. I know that's something a lot of people get worked up about, is people who don't know anything about guns trying to talk about gun control so I'm going to stop there because it's a lot. It really is a lot to try to research. And I don't know about different types of weapons. Uh, but these responses I have here feel very reasonable to me. I don't think a lot of people are going to dispute these things. Because you just don't need something that fires like an automatic weapon. The, the average person just does not need that. So I think getting rid of bump stocks and working on the background check loophole would be a great place a perfectly reasonable place to start as well. So at this point in the podcast, I normally have a bedtime story, but instead I'll be debuting something new. And according to our friend Cam Newton, it will be very funny.
1: It's funny to hear female talk about routes. Like It's
0: funny. Cam said this to a female reporter who covers the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Some people say this isn't a big deal. They know plenty of women who don't know much about football, but this reporter's job is to know about football. You just can't respond like that, Cam. You just can't. So in light of Cam's comments, we have a brand new segment on the podcast called Talking Routes, and it features our first-ever guest on the podcast, Joining us is UNC graduate student, avid football fan, and my friend Rachel Green. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me and for being our very first guest on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on the podcast. This is an awesome opportunity.
0: Well, I brought you in, Rachel, because first I wanted to talk about your football fandom. For those who don't know you... Where have you been for UNC football games for the past four-plus years on Saturday? Take us through what a typical Saturday is like for you as a UNC football fan.
1: Well, a typical Saturday for me as a UNC football fan starts a lot earlier than most people. Uh, for a 12 o'clock game, I'm normally standing out in front of the gates by 7.30, 8 a.m. For a 3.30 game, I'm usually out there by 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I like to be right out there at the front of the gate so I can walk right through when the gates open up and get my spot. I usually stand in between the L and the I in Carolina on the front row in the end zone of the student section where I have a beautiful view of just about everything. Screen right in front of me, watch the players come in and out of the tunnel as they warm up. I watch the warm up patterns as they go through that hour and a half before the game and really get my mind ready.
0: So how deep does your football fandom go? I know you were a big football fan before you came to UNC, correct?
1: Correct. I went to my first football game when I was about six or seven months old. My parents both went to App State University up in Boone, North Carolina, and I grew up sitting on the 50-yard line with my family surrounded by a massive group of football fans for what was then a much smaller football program before the national championship games. I was an App State fan through and through, all through high school. Uh, I never stopped loving. I still keep up with it. I was able to go to two of the three national championship games just because my dad refused to take me to the first one. But I had a great ride, learned a lot about football there, and I can't ever forget about my roots.
0: So at a typical UNC football game during the game, uh, what is your demeanor like? And t- take us through what you're typically like during a UNC football game because I have, I've stood next to you for a number of those games, so I know, but I, I want everyone else to know exactly what you're like during a-, during a UNC football game.
1: During a UNC football game, I'm very focused. I have a very straight face. I have emotional outbursts. I get excited when our team does something right. I get upset as I see mistakes, whether other people notice them or not. I'm a very focused person. If you try and have a conversation with me while the game's going on, I'm probably going to just tell you to wait or shush you or tune you out. I get very ruffled by fans that may not know exactly what is the situation with our team at that moment, and certain comments can make me quite angry. I'm into the game 110% just trying to analyze every bit of what we're doing, looking at every position and seeing where the big plays are coming from or where we might be struggling a little bit.
0: Okay and you mentioned you know you get frustrated by mistakes you might see a team make. Uh, What are a couple of examples of the mistakes Maybe from this year that you've seen uh, the Tar Heels make, obviously. It's been a bit of a struggle for North Carolina this year. What are some examples of mistakes you might see during a game?
1: Uh, On the offense side, one thing we see is we see a lot of miscommunication about routes we're supposed to run. I mean, you see a quarterback make a throw straight over the middle, and it goes to nobody. And you see that somebody obviously missed what they were supposed to be doing in that play. You also have some overthrown balls, and... On the defensive side, there's been a lot of hecticness. Uh, We cannot seem to pick a scheme to run on defense. We bounce back and forth between having one, two, or three linebackers, and a lot of times that opens up some miscommunication, understanding what kind of defense they're playing. Are they playing a zone? Are they playing man-to-man? And who actually has what player?
0: Obviously, a lot of issues to sort out for North Carolina. Let's talk a little bit about just general X's and O's, uh, since, again, uh, we are directing this at Cam Newton in case uh, the, those listening could not tell. Uh, but he asked a lot about, uh, or he commented on, uh, talking about routes and those sort of things. What sort of routes might you see a receiver run at the college level? You talked about miscommunication with those routes. What sort of routes might you see a receiver run at the college level?
1: Well, if you're coming to a Carolina football game and quite a few other teams, you're definitely going to see quite a few screens. Now, how successful those are depends on a lot of the blocking that you have and which side you're running them to, whether it's your short side or your long side. Also, my personal favorite, while it may not be a wide receiver, is when you have a tight end that runs out and cuts across the middle, goes only about 10 yards out, and cuts back. And it is a beautiful catch, especially when you have someone like Brandon Fritz receiving for Carolina. Another big thing that Carolina does really well, even though we don't take advantage of it enough, is we just sort of run like a fly-out route on the sides right by that end zone because we have some people that can really catch that ball and bring it in right before they go out of bounds.
0: Now on defense, let's say you're the defensive coordinator of the Tar Heels. What are you changing and what kinds of schemes are you calling?
1: If I was the defensive coordinator for North Carolina, one thing that I've got to say is I've got to look at the linebackers right now because with Andre Smith out for the rest of the season, we're in a little bit of trouble. We have Casein Collins, who is a veteran for us, as well as Cole Holcomb. And I feel like we've really underutilized Casein Collins because he is one of those guys that can cover those screens and can cover a quarterback draw or a quarterback option and can really catch some of those mistakes that we've been missing. I think we also just need to work a lot on that pass coverage. We have a lot of young guys that are working at that DB spot and they're forgetting to turn around and look for the ball, or they're making some dumb mistakes and getting beat deep. And that's some things we really have to clear up. We have to decide how many DBs we're going to play and how many linebackers we're going to play. Because if we only have one linebacker in, then our DBs are getting run ragged. And we did a much better job of this at Georgia Tech where we were running three linebackers almost the whole time, which you sort of had to do with that kind of of offense.
0: Well, Rachel, I know you will be at the Notre Dame game this weekend in Chapel Hill. Thank you very much for coming in for a very funny, uh, to use Cam's words, segment of Talking Routes, the first edition of that and the first guest on the podcast. Rachel Green, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, John Thomas.
0: And that was Talking Routes. Wow, what an exclusive here on Sports & More. A female who knows about football and talks about running routes and much more. Hmm. Interesting stuff. That wraps up this edition of Sports and More. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at Sports and More 4. You can also email the podcast, Sports and More Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback, maybe on gun control, maybe on fake news, maybe just sharing a story from the Las Vegas shooting or on Cam Newton. Any of those things, feel free to send me an email. That email address again, Sports and More Podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at sports and more podcast all of those wonderful things subscribe on itunes listen on soundcloud so many ways for you to listen and get involved thank you again for joining me today i'm john thomas saying thank you for listening have a great day